Well, good morning. We, uh, we have started this series a couple weeks ago. We're working up to Easter. Um, baptisms are on Easter. I'm getting really excited for that. Um, we, we began this series, and, and honestly, where we're going today is the reason why I began this series instead of just kind of popping into Easter and then coming out of it. I wanted to build up to Easter and then jump back into the book of Matthew. But we began this series because um, I had this kind of this burden that I felt it, that ultimately there's just this messiness in our world. And, and, it, and it's culminated and lives and exists specifically around our relationships, our relationships to each other, our relationships to the world, our relationships to Christ. And ultimately, there's this battle going on where this messy, 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 messy relationships are happening. And I, I made the joke that ultimately social media, and it's not just social media, but social media has, has changed the existence of how we view friendships and how we interact joking about this essentially that you know you can friend someone and unfriend someone it's like we make friends the way we would when we were in fourth or four years old in the playground you're my friend today and then you're my friend you're not my friend tomorrow we just click of a button and we interact at this level and then all of us are are one of of two ways we're either we're either the Fort Knox we've been burned relationally so many different times by so many different people whether it was by the church or a family member or someone we thought we trusted at one point we've been burned so many times that we start putting these walls up and these walls get deeper and deeper and deeper. And we're like this Fort Knox walking around. We're ultimately like no one will ever, ever enter into a relationship with us unless they meet this ridiculous list of expectations. You got to be this way, this way, this way, this way. And then maybe I'll look through the people and we can begin trying to be friends. And then the opposite, the kind of the extrovert, the person I made this joke about myself, the extrovert's like, man, lots of people like you, but very few know you. You hide behind being ex extroverted or, or liked, but you actually never really truly are vulnerable or real or broken down. And what ends up happening is ultimately we are a mess relationally. And so we titled this Devoted To because I believe that there needs to be this devotion to this mess. And so the, the first week we talked about what does it mean for us to be devoted to the world? We talked about that if we are the church, if we are the church, ultimately God is bringing us, preaching, priest, or preaching, preaching peace to us from far and near. That was really hard. Far and near. He is, ultimately, he is ultimately drawing those who have raised in the church, those who weren't raised in the church, and he's making them a people founded on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. And if that's the case, if we are founded on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, if we are the church as individuals, we are no longer looking for a building to be the temple, but individually are the temple, then collectively we are to live our lives inside of that reality. And if that's the case, then we have a purpose. And then the Bible has something to say. So then ultimately, if we are the church, if we are displaying the manifold, the varied wisdom of God as the church together, then that must mean that we have a role in the world. And what I talked about last week is, is, is that ultimately the world, there were three main things. We, we used the story of the woman at the well, that we are called to be salt and light to this world. If we, are, uh, if we are followers of Jesus, if we are surrendered to the person and work of Jesus Christ, then we are called not to someday down the road, but at that moment to start living as this light, preaching and the salt doing to this world in a way that they would see our good works and praise our Father who is in heaven. And I said that there's three ways we can do that. We say, first off, we were looking at Jesus. He was super intentional. He didn't just happenstance follow people. He was intentional about where he went. We looked at the, the story of the woman at the well and how he intentionally went that direction, intentionally sat himself on that well so he'd be in place of that person. So when she came out, she had to interact with him. And the second thing that, that Jesus was, was there were just justifiable cultural reasons not to do what he did, but he chose to be relational. 
He chose that all, despite all the taboo things that are there, I'm going to be relational too. And so if we're going to be salt and light, we've got to be intentional and we have to be relational. And then the last thing that Jesus did is he encompassed and fully spoke, fully grace and fully truth. And he said that if we, if we lack any one of those things, we get, out of, we get out of sorts and the world starts seeing us more as holding signs that God hates you as opposed to, no, God loves us and loves you and wants to see you surrender to him as Lord. And so as the church, we have a role to love the world. We have a role to be devoted to the world. You don't, you don't get a, a pass from that. And so I hope this last week that you, your guys' lives were inundated with people in this world. But this week, this week is where we are. And this week is, is, is honestly, ultimately, I think the world is hinged on, our view to being devoted to the world is hinged on this week. And so we're working our way backwards, okay? So it's, we're the church, we're, we're devoted to the world, we're devoted to each other, to one another, those that are inside the church, and then next week we'll talk about what does it mean, to, how do we make our devotion right when it's gone wrong? And then ultimately on Easter it'll be, we're devoted to the mess because Jesus was devoted to this mess. He was devoted to us. And so we have this, we have this realm in which we're supposed to go. And this all culminated for me in the Philippines. I was in the Philippines and... Um, we spent a lot of time in the church in Devotus down there, and I love it there, and the people there are amazing, and I've been there. This is my third time, and it was really, really easy for me to justify their devotion to each other because they had immense needs. And so I said, they are absolutely devoted to one another. I watched the way this church, this little church, Fishers of Christ Church, and the community there, the way that they serve and love and care for one another is intoxicating, beautiful, and almost um, depressing when you compare it to where we are today. But we can't idolize the church there, and we can't, just like we can't idolize the church here. And so I said, okay, there's got to be something about this. And it all hit me around this one girl, Krissa. Krissa has the most angelic voice. Like, I mean, it is unbelievable when it comes to singing. She just always is leading worship. She's early 20s, and she's serving faithfully in the youth ministry there. And she is, I mean, this incredible voice. And one day I was sitting with her, and I'm like, man, Krista, your voice is amazing, and your heart for worship is incredible. Like, I want my girls to worship like this. I want the people in America to worship like this. Not, not in just some emotion, but in this actual, like, devotion to God and what they're doing. You need to come to the States someday. And then Krista kind of did, and she's very gentle, and very, they're all very polite to us, but she's like, why? Why, why would I go to America? And, and what she was essentially saying, like, why would you assume that I've arrived as a Christian because I can do American Christianity? She's like, why would I leave here? I love, I love what I have. I love these people. Like, why would I leave when I could use this gift here right now? And it hit me. See, because Chris is an interesting case because she has a few siblings and all of her family have gone to college in Novotis. Now, Novotis' income and that area there are in the slums. It is broke, is broke, is broke. I promise you that their dual income home is probably not even a quarter of most of our single income homes. And so they, they have been in this, in this slums and they've been broke, but by all purposes, their family were the, the middle-class family in, in Novotis. They didn't have immense need. Both parents worked. They were able to send their kids to college and their kids are going, they've been through school and are all going to college and there was scholarship and there was some other stuff that they're doing there, but they didn't have this immense need. So, so Krissa was equally devoted to this church as someone that didn't have to be. And what changed for me is if she's not devoted because she has to be, then I can't justify us not being devoted because we have too much. And what I realized is ultimately this can and should be different. I can't just idolize what happens in the Philippines, but I can't just give up on what's happening here in America. 
And so what I realized is Krista didn't have to be devoted. She was devoted because she desired to be with those people, with her people, to serve and to see Jesus grow there. And she didn't have to be. It wasn't like if she didn't show up there, she wasn't going to eat like some of the people in that community. It wasn't like if she didn't have that, there was no real way for her to exist after a certain age. No, that, that wasn't Chris's story. Chris was devoted just like those who had need. So if I can't blame her devotion on need, then I cannot blame our lack of devotion on ex- excess. I can't blame, well, you know what, America, we're just too distracted by all our stuff. And we don't really need anyone, so therefore we just, we aren't going to devote to each other. And ultimately, here's the issue with that. Here's the issue with that. We're called to be devoted to each other. In fact, I, I put some scripture together that we're going to work for you guys. It's up on the screen here. Um, we got a lot of scripture to hit, but that's 59 verses that we're going to hit today, okay? All 59 of these verses speak about how we are as the church to view and to treat and to serve and to love one another as the church. 59 in the New Testament alone commands of how I am to interact with those of you that are in the church. Well, how are we doing, church? How are we doing at, at serving one another? At, at admonishing one another, at not condemning one another, at building up one another, at bearing one another's burdens, at confessing our faults to one another, using hospitality to one another. How are we doing? See, the problem is, is that I say that most of us know, oh, yeah, I don't think we're doing all that great at Now, I want to say this because today's message may be a little, a little difficult. And you guys, you guys do this really well. This last June, Jen and I had our third child. Well, Jen had the third child I watched. But, um... <clears throat> And, and some serious complications came afterwards and she was hospitalized a week later. And it was like up in arms. We had to like to keep the baby with her. We had to have someone with her all the time. We had our other two kids. And I just sat back in this whirlwind and watched people care and love for us. We had people staying like shifts at the hospital with Jen and coming and watching our kids. And I had more meals than I, I mean, I gained the, the extra 30 pounds I have in me right now because of it, right? And I saw this immense love and care and poured into it. I've seen you guys be devoted. So it's not this lack of devotion that is always existent. It's this, my fear is, is that we are building these walls to each other. We're using justifiable excuses to push away from each other. And maybe when crisis hits, we, we do jump in and I've seen you guys do it and, and well done, well done. But the problem is a lot of times we don't really engage in it when there is no crisis. And let's be honest. That's kind of how it works with your relationship with God, right? You're steeped in God's word and asking for prayer when things are in a place where you can't do it. I meet with a lot of um, singles that are getting married or, or do some premarital stuff. And like, there's nothing that brings you more to prayer than figuring out how to be married, right? They're like, oh, I got to figure this out. And, and, but yet when things are going well in our life, who's God, right? That's kind of how we live. We stop reading. We stop praying. We just like things are good. And that's what we do with each other. And it should not be. 59 verses tell us not to do that. 59 verses. Now, here is why this is such a huge, huge deal. John 13, 34 through 35 says, A new commandment. This is Jesus speaking. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love, have love for one another. You see, like our, our, our desire, our understanding of who Christ is, if we want to love the world, well, then they're going to see it by the way we love each other. They're going to see it by the way we love each other. 
I treat you the way God treats me. I experience the love of God, so then I can love one another. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to take one verse out of those 59, and I'm going to make my own version of it that hopefully can kind of can work all of those. And when I say my own version, I'm just taking a couple different versions of the Bible to put it together because I think it says it most concisely. Don't worry, I'm not like adding to God's word here. This is just, uh, this is a compilation of two versions into one because I feel like it's the most concise way to say it. It's Romans 12, 10. It says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. This devotion, this word devotion, some of the texts just say love one another, but this this, is the same meaning. But basically, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. That love is this love that is is existent in, in this unbelievable honor and respect for one another where you will serve others above you. You will create them in a spot where they mean more than you mean to you. Be devoted to one another. The Apostle Paul, when he says this, he's not, he's not saying be devoted in this one really awesome spiritual act. He's saying a life of continuous devotion inside of messy relationships where I will not push away from the table. I will sit in this and we will figure out how to live and exist in this. So the Apostle Paul calls us to be devoted to one another. He says honor the others above it. Now, we stink at this. Let's be honest. We have so many good reasons not to do it. See, there's so many good reasons not to do it. We, we won't do it because ultimately we see ourselves as better than others. We won't do it because we disagree on theology. We won't do it because, well, you know what? That person's different than me. I, I want to just say this really quickly. If you are over the age of 40, please hear me on this, okay? Please hear me on this. This is important because there's a lot of college students in here, Okay. I have had more often than not. Now, I, now some of you are going to come up to me afterwards and be like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it that way. Don't, don't take offense. I'm not calling you out that way. I'm just saying I've had more often than not, I've had some older people, some seasoned, more wise, lovely people that have said, man, there's a lot of college students here. And most of you are probably saying it like there are a lot of college students. But you know what a lot of times I feel like is being said? Man, there's a lot of college students. Like, man, there's a really nasty cold going on around here. Man, it's just, ugh. I mean, are we going to pay attention to that? And there's this hostility for differences. You singles down there, you're like, man, I can't, I can't exist in this because people are married. Shame on you. Why would you ostracize yourself from people that are willing to love you and care for you at a different life stage? High school, junior high kids, there is a lot, believe it or not, you may not think this, but there's a lot of wisdom in people that have age, old and, or age on you. Just by, just by gaining an age, you gain wisdom. And my point is this, is that we use life stages. Well, they're different than me, or their class is different than me, or their race is different than me, or their, their upbringing is different from me. And we start using all of these reasons, reasons to justify holding back. And you know, what's, you know what's interesting? Is a lot of us use our own life stage as an excuse to not engage. Well, I'm, I'm at a church with a bunch of married people and I'm still single. And instead of stepping into that fold and seeing God has absolute beauty for the life you have and where you're at right now, you, you run from it. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm over 50 and there's a lot of college students and they're kind of crazy. Well, yeah, they are crazy, but that's, this we should celebrate a generational difference inside of the kingdom of God. And so we use all these reasons to run from each other. People are lazy. Or people are hard work. Yeah, you're hard work. 
Like just, just deal with that for one second. Like just think about that for one second. As hard work as it is to get along with someone else, you're that hard work to someone else. Like let's just, ba- like just sit and bask in that. Like someone views you as that hard work. Someone views me as that hard work. People are work. People are work. We can't escape 59 verses in the New Testament alone that command us to serve one another to be hospitable to one another. And so what we do is we take, well, I don't think that you agree with this theologically. And so you sit at the table and you go, well, you disagree, you disagree with me, fine, and we run. Or we, we don't even sit at the table before we disagree with someone. We just do it online and, and blast them that way. Yet I'm plagued by John 13 where Jesus says, if you want the world to know that you're my followers, then love the way I've loved you. Love each other the way I've loved you. So how are you doing on this? My assumption is that there's not a single person in this room that's not going, great, failing at that one because I'm failing at that one. You know, it's funny, I was sharing this devotion when I came back from the Philippines. I was sharing it with a couple of really good friends and I was like, man, I don't think we're devoted to each other and they were like offended by me sharing that. They're like, I'm devoted to you and I'm like, no, no, I, I mean, I'm trying, as I'm chewing this, like I'm not devoted to you and then they're like, whoa, like, and our friends are, you know, I'm just kidding, I need friends, no. Um, <laughs> and, and my point is this, is that devotion isn't just an act here or there. Devotion isn't just this, this one, one step or kind of serving someone or thinking well of them, although it is included in that. Devotion is this, I'm in it with you. Your burdens are my burdens burdens. Your joy is my joy. Your sorrow is my sorrow. Therefore, I'm going to sit in this. And you know what? I can promise you it's painful. It hurts. And you're going to get burned because we're messy. We're absolutely messy. We're horribly messy. But when the apostle Paul said this devoted to one another, it's not one single worthy act. It's this continuous, I'm pushing in. I'm pushing in, and I don't care if we disagree. I don't care if you're annoying. Although you are, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step into this. I'm going to sit in this spot, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually care for you. But we're so afraid to do this because we've gotten hurt in the past by it. And so what we end up doing is we start doing this rogue thing. And, and honestly, if you think about it, our culture celebrates the Lone Ranger, right? Look at what that one person did. Charge. Like every movie is about the one guy that takes down a thousand, right? Amazing. Yet when we go back to the church and the purpose of the church, we're called together to display the manifold wisdom of God. That means that together, God is delighted to dwell within us. So when we're out rogue alone, we're isolated. And here's what happens. And this is, I've been doing this long enough that my prayer with other pastors is, God, don't let me become jaded. (laughs) Don't let me become jaded. But here's what happens. You use justifiable reasons. I'm busy. I just had a kid. Um, there's different age demographics. There's different life stages. We just, you know, we just don't really, we don't really, com- we don't really mesh or combat. Like, look, here, here's the thing. There are people you're going to be naturally inclined to and people that you're not going to be naturally inclined. That's okay. I'm just saying that the 59 one and others don't take that into account. You're still called to serve the one that you don't like. <laughs> In fact, Jesus tells us to love your enemies. He tells us to serve. He says, if they ask you to take a mile, you go two miles with them. He is in the face of that hostility that we have towards one another. He continually speaks and preaches peace into it. But some of you, here's what happens. 
you go through life, so you're busy in school. You're like, man, I'm, I'm just, if I can, you got your head down, because you're like, if I can just get this degree out of the way, whew, life will be different. And you got, you got this dating relationship. You're like, I can, if, I can just, if I can just get this career off the ground, then life will be different. If I can just graduate high school, then life will be different. Well, once we get our kids sleeping through the night, then life will be different. Here's the problem. We wait and wait and wait, and then we end up in the worst spot ever, isolated, where the enemy can start telling you lies. You know what? No one cares about you. You know what? No one knows what you're going through. You know what? The bride of Christ, she's failed you because you don't have the health of people around you where you've been investing into their messy relationships and they've been investing into your mess, you start believing those lies. And then that's where everything gets convoluted. That's where the marriage blows up. That's where the, the faith crisis runs. That's when you start running to drugs. That's when you start making poor choices in, in dating relationships. That's, you, like, it's, it's kind of, I hate to say it. Like I said, I've been doing this long enough and I don't want to sound too jaded. You may be an anomaly and you're like, no, no it never happened to me. Good for you. That's awesome. But you're the anomaly. But most of the time what happens is as you get isolated from one another, you set yourself up for a massive fall. Massive fall. And every reason that you use to not be devoted to one another, every reason you use to not serve one another, to be hospitable to one another, or to get to know one another, every reason you use is a very good excuse. Um, Warren Wiersbe says it this way, in short, to love other Christians means to treat them the way God treats them and the way God treats us. And I love this sign. It says, Christian love that does not show itself in action and in attitude is fake. That's not Christian love. That's not the 59 verses. You could read those every single day, and I, I feel like every single time I read one of those, I was like, ooh. Like, I almost had a person for every single one of those I was failing. Oh, yeah, I didn't show hospitality. Oh, yeah. And the point isn't to beat us up so much that we just, like, move forward in guilt and shame. The point is that you guys realize that we can exist in a way that is so much better than the existence we have if we actually devote ourselves to one another. But the church, like people in my position, this church, Revolution 22, other churches all over have done a really poor job of supporting this devotion. It's like you don't like a certain thing here. Just, you know, just run somewhere else and find something else. When you don't realize that you are a specific body. This whole devotion part that Paul's talking about is sitting in the middle of the gifts. And he's saying, do you realize like the gifts that are here? Like what this means is that, that, that the gifts can be displayed in this amazing way, but you've got to be devoted to each other. You've got to be devoted to one another for these gifts to be displayed in a healthy way. So how are you doing on that? We teach in our, in our intro class that, that, that God's relationship to us is covenantal, meaning that ultimately the, 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 the covenant that I have, my relationship to God is covenantal so that I am now in this relationship despite my shortcomings. It's not upheld by some contract. It's upheld by the, by the blood of Christ and therefore it cannot be broken. And despite how many times I fail and I, and like right now, if you're like, man, I've got 57 of 59 of those one another's that I'm a complete, utter failure at, God's still covenantally in relationship with you. That doesn't change with him. He still says, no, 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 I'm with you. Like, it doesn't matter what you do. It's not, it's not you do this, this, and this, and then I will love you. It's no, no, you just, you, you surrender the work of Jesus Christ and, and, and I love you and you're mine. And you're, 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 you're a co-heir with, with Jesus Christ. You're, you're, you're a child in my kingdom. But because of that relationship with God being covenantal, and that means that our relationship with one another is covenantal.
means he saves us into community. He saves us into this. And it's hard. We're busy. We got things that we need to do. We got our family and our kids to take care of. And, and people are mean. And a lot of times people will pretend that they don't want it when ultimately they're just crying inside saying, I want this, but I don't know how to get it. Well, we're called to be devoted to one another. That's why devoted to the mess. We're called to this. And I, and I promise you, you've been hurt by this, and I promise you, you will get hurt by this. But I can't shake the 59 one another's. And we could go through and start studying all 59 and figure out, okay, I need to be more hospitable to this person, or I need to be willing to serve this person. But ultimately, what it comes down to is as an individual, as a co-heir with Christ, it's on you to step out. Whether you're the extrovert that's hiding behind being liked or you're the Fort Knox walking around or anything in between, it's on you to open yourself up. You ever notice this? Like, think back to the person you're closest to right now. And maybe you've had people that you're close to at one point or another, but think back to the person you're closest to right now. Maybe, maybe it was just like one moment where you're like, oh my word, we're gonna be BFFs forever, but you didn't really know each other at that moment. Right? When your friendships get deep and when relationships get deep is when, when you realize that you're going to push into it. Like I've sat in the table. We did this at the men's group on Thursday, kind of baiting them this way. I was like, hey, let's talk about this and threw kind of a hot topic out there and then watched everyone kind of go, and then they started like arguing with each other and it was kind of fun. But everyone sat at the table and had the conversation. And I was like, and this is what it looks like. It looks like this where we can disagree or, or struggle or wrestle with, with scripture and yet we're going to say, but it doesn't change. I still love you. I'm still, I'm still going to sit at this table. I'm still going to engage in this. Our culture says, no, nah, if they don't agree with you, run. Get out of here. Run away. Save yourself. Don't go down with the ship. The problem is, is that we are perpetuating this cycle where I don't think the world will look at the church and say, wow, they know Jesus by the way we love each other. And so I think it's time for us to start loving one another. First Thessalonians 419 says, we are loved by God so we can love one another. We're loved by God so that we can. This is, this is a process, and we, do, do you, show of hands, let's do this, this real quick. Show of hands, do you, have you ever felt lonely? Raise your hand. Come on, put it high, don't be afraid. Everyone look around, Right? Everyone's raising their hand that says they felt lonely. They're just too shy. Some are just too shy to put their hand up, right? I'm lonely. Have you ever experienced love that you couldn't explain outside of Christ through another person, another individual? Okay. So it's possible. It exists. Could we, church, could we commit just, just, and I don't mean for, for Revolution 22's name. I'm talking about the bride of Christ. Could we, as the bride of Christ, commit that we are no longer going to use excuses to run from relationships? We're no longer going to say we're too busy to run from relationships. Now, I could give you seven steps. Well, here are the seven things you need to do to fill this up. But before we even get there, before we even get there, it takes a spot in here going, no, you know what? I'm called to be devoted. I'm called to engage. So, that, so you over 40s, over 50s, Guess what? There is a harvest or a cesspool, whichever way you want to look at it, of college students around that need to be poured into and encouraged. 
right? So you're, 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 you're single and you're like, man, I just don't know what I got. Look, there are students and there are other ways in which you can bring amazing, amazing, amazing gospel kingdom stuff into others' lives. In fact, we have one in, in our, in, we, have, we have numbers of different age-specific gospel communities existing, but what I love is when I see it change outside of that. And we have a number of gospel communities going on. Uh, April 24th is an intro to gospel community class. I, I highly, highly recommend that you get to that. If you are not in a gospel community or you've considered it, you're like, I don't know what it is. Now, here, here's the thing. Gospel communities are not just the, they're not the answer. Like, they're not only the answer. Like, this is how it is, and this is the only way. This is just one way we're trying to engage in that. Another way we're trying to engage in that is you guys can start serving in this ministry because, like, of those 59 one another's, a lot of them have to do a service, just so you know. A lot of them. A few of them talk about kissing one another. Not sloppy wet or unforeseen, so I don't know what to do there. You know, I have no idea. <clears throat> my, point, my point is this, though, is we're called to engage in this. And, and here's the thing. We're going to end, but here's the thing. My assumption is right now there is a rooted, painful, broken relationship inside the church. And maybe not at this church. Maybe you've got a previous church that you ran from or, or you left on, on it was difficult and, and whatever. There's, most likely there is a broken relationship, a messy relationship from a one another. And what we're going to do next week is we're going to talk about biblically what that looks like. How do we make that right? But if you're just curious about, like, here's a little forerunner for it. You know, on like Palm Sunday is next week. Everyone's excited because Jesus is coming in on donkey. And everyone's like, Hosanna, Hosanna, you're amazing, you're God. Five days later, they're crucifying him. So what makes you think that you can't have this amazing, euphoric experience of a relationship that five days later wouldn't be broken and a mess? Relationships have shortcomings and failures, messiness, and there is a biblical way to make them right. And so we're going to talk about that next week. So the band's going to come up, and we're going to we're going to worship together. And I want to I want to encourage you to worship with one another, and that that means that we're actually willing to to worship with one another. And that doesn't mean just in singing and song on Sunday. That means actually throughout the week. And so my assumption is you've thought of someone this last week. Someone came to your mind, no ill feelings. You're just like, oh man, I, I was totally thinking of that person. And you didn't call him, call him today and say, hey, I was thinking of you this last week. And I, I felt like maybe I should have prayed for you. And I didn't pray for you, but I want to pray for you right now. How can I pray for you? Our assumption is sometimes someone's been, you've been saying for a long time to someone, hey dude, we need to get together. Hey dude, we need to get together. Hey dude, we need to get together. Get together. Stop saying it over and over again. Say, you know what, let's just, let's just make it work. Let's figure out how to do this. Some of you, you've, you've flat out, bold-faced lied to someone else in this, in, in this one another's. You've said you're fine when you're not fine at all. Make it right. Some of you, you've been offended and hurt by someone, and they have no idea, no idea that they hurt you. They're completely oblivious. Believe me, it is possible. If you're married, you experience that all the time, right? How, wait, what, how, how did that happen? but it's their perception, it's their reality. Go and, and tell them, like, hey, this hurt me when this was said. But I was going to ignore, I was just going to move on. It didn't really matter because I just thought, oh, I can exist. But really, let's be honest, none of us are going to exist in that reality. All that's going to do is add another brick to the wall between that person and you. Some of you, you know, you know, you know, in your heart of heart, as I told you this, you've been flat out 
sprinting from relationship. You're running. And it's, it's, I'm not trying to grab a cane and like yank you down, but maybe just stop running for a second. Maybe just stop and go, okay, like let's, let's, let's reassess how this is going. And some of you, you've been coming to this extension of God's church for a very long time and you've kept relationships at an arm's distance. You say, no, 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 I've been burned. I've been burned. I, I tried that once. If you remember like two years ago, I made this one comment, nothing was received. And I, I tried, I'm out. Would you, would, you, would you reopen yourself up for being wounded? And let me promise you two things. One is you'll probably get wounded, but in the process, you might actually start figuring out and realizing what it means to be devoted to one another. I can't tell you how many relationships I've had where they've been made right afterwards and someone that wasn't even in that experienced it and saw that and was like, wow, I, can't, I cannot believe that you guys were willing to do that. Jesus says that the way that we love each other will show this world that we are his disciples. So it's time to start loving. That means that we actually intentionally do it. Now, here's last thing, and then I'm going to be done, I promise. A lot of you are going to wait for someone else to do it. You're going you're gonna to say, well, I did this, and I did this, and you probably have like a good list. I mean, a good, solid list of the 30 plus ways that you've done what you were supposed to do and it wasn't received. Do it again. Keep going. Keep pushing. Keep doing it. Maybe even say to someone, hey, I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to push this out relationally here and I'm not feeling like it's being received. I know some of you non-confrontational people are like, I could never say that. What if you just said it in general? Like, look, I, I really want, I want to be known I want to be in a spot where I know that someone's genuinely praying for me. I want to be, know, I want to be known in a spot where, where if life gets difficult, they're going to call me and God is going to allow me to be the hands and feet of his grace and presence in their life. That won't exist if we stiff arm every single person. We pray, God, thank you for being devoted to us. That is a, a lofty, lofty, lofty request for what you expect of those of us in your church, the one another's. God, it is, um, it almost seems impossible. And so, God, I just pray that we would be surrendered to your spirit. Pray that we would be um, faithful to your call. And God, as we get ready for, for even next week, what it means to make right the relationships that have been wronged. Um, God, would you this week um, break down our walls, whether we're the Fort Knox and we need to be broken down and we need to be willing to say, okay, I'm dropping this list of expectations to get to know someone and I'm just going to try and get to know them. And God, we're, whether or we're the, the extrovert, it's like, I'm just going to be liked by everyone. Would we, would we stop pretending and being fake and just open ourselves up? And God, when the wounds come, would you remind us of your grace and what you died on the cross for? God, would you remind us that, that it's worth it? And I've seen it. I've seen it in, in, in pockets here. I've seen it in the Philippines. I've seen what it means to be devoted. And God, it is beautiful. There's no denying your kingdom when you see and experience that. And so God, I pray that for every single person here. If they're doubting who you are, God, I pray that they would, they would see you in a tangible way in the way you treat others, in the way we treat others. And God, for those of us that, that have been so comfortably complacent and lazy, in not being known. Now, would you shake that boat? Would you rock it in a way that, that the most 
unsuspecting way where we can't deny that you are bringing us together. I pray that this week alone, that, that the one another's would run into each other, that they would come on each other's minds, that they'd be texted, Facebook message, whatever it may be, that we would start entering into this communication with one another, trying truly to serve one another, to be hospitable to one another, to be devoted to one another. God, it's because of your love for us that we love, and so we pray that you would give us the strength to love in that way this week. In Jesus' name, amen.